Webster's Dictionary defines a bridge as a structure carrying a pathway or roadway over a depression or obstacle, such as a river, a time, place, or means of connection or transition. Today, we're here on location at the Rio Grande Gorge Bridge outside of Taos. This gorge is deep, with this bridge being roughly 600 feet above the Rio Grande, making it the 10th highest bridge in the United States. This thing is wide, with the bridge measuring a quarter mile from end to end, and the view here is breathtaking, as you can see from some of the shots that we're getting. What strikes me though is this. Just imagine coming up on this quarter mile ravine before this bridge was built in 1963. Just imagine standing on this side, wanting to get to that side. As athletic as you are, you have no hope of jumping from here to there. As smart as you are, you might be able to design a bridge, but you can't build one yourself. The only shot that you have is the long, arduous process of descending the sharp decline of this side, hoping you don't get swept away while trying to cross the Rio Grande, and then climbing the steep incline of the other side. To put it mildly, you don't have any real hope of getting from here to there. Luckily, someone built a bridge. Now here's why I bring all of that up today. When it comes to me and God, you and God, we find ourselves on opposite sides of a ravine. Where I find myself and where you find yourself in our humanity is a place of brokenness, experiencing the consequences of our sin where we're lost, guilty, unclean, and with no hope of reaching the other side. Where God is present, full of goodness, love, strength, and wisdom. Where we would all like to be. But today, as we gather to celebrate Easter, what we're ultimately celebrating is the good news that with the events of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, God created the ultimate bridge, the bridge between humanity and heaven, the bridge between our imperfection and his perfection, the bridge between unholy man and holy God. Easter is the celebration that Jesus is the bridge to take us from everywhere we lead ourselves and everything that God meant for us to experience all along. And the moment we're ready the bridge has been built and laid out before us. The only question is, are you ready to cross? We start our journey today where we all begin our spiritual journey with a first step. Immediately after calling his first disciple, Jesus had an encounter that revealed a great amount about who Jesus was and what Jesus was ultimately up to. Luke 5 tells us, While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Let me point out that we are told virtually nothing about this man. We're not told his name, we're told his condition. We're not told where he's from, we're told about his issue. What you and I know is it's possible to live in such a way that your issue becomes your identity. Maybe your anxiety has become the thing everyone knows about you, or maybe your temper is the thing everyone thinks of when they think of you. This man was living and experiencing all of that. Leprosy was and is a terrible disease. 
It's an uncontrollable, slowly growing disease that caused swollen lumps and ulcerous scabs all over the body. It came with a numbing sensation that caused lepers to scratch and injure themselves without even knowing it. Skin would be scaly, hair would turn white, body parts would deform, and often fingers and toes would even fall off. On top of all that, leprosy is an incredibly contagious and transmitted by touch. So the lepers were forced to live in colonies with other lepers far away from cities and civilized society. If they ever had needs from society, there were rules regarding what they wore, including special bells so people would know to steer clear of the approaching leper. There were rules that lepers could not actually stand in the middle of streets or paths. They had to stand to the side so no one else would accidentally bump into them. And the most important stipulation was that a leper had to maintain a constant distance of 50 paces from any person who was considered ceremonially clean. In fact, if a leper was found to be closer than 50 paces to someone who was ceremonially clean, the law said that that person could be pushed outside the city and stoned to death for endangering another person. The entire idea was to stay out of the way of anyone so that you didn't put them at risk of catching what you had. See, the thought was that when unclean came in contact with clean, the unclean would make the clean, well, unclean. This man was not supposed to approach anyone, let alone a special leader like Jesus. But there was something about Jesus that made people feel like they could approach him, that they could come close. So this man did. He took the risky first step and the next and the next because he believed that maybe, just maybe, Jesus wasn't like everyone else that he had to stay away from and that maybe Jesus had something for him that no one else did. So he took all 50 steps that he shouldn't have taken and he's face to face with Jesus. And as important as those 50 steps were, I would argue that it wasn't any of those 50 steps that brought him to a place of healing. It was his 51st step when he knelt before Jesus, admitting, I have no power here and I have no hope here except you. You're the only shot I have. Can you do something for me or are you gonna turn me away just like everyone else? Can you do something for me or are you afraid of my issues just like everyone else? And here's how Jesus responded. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sickness. Jesus does what no one else was willing to do. He touches the man with leprosy and he heals the man of leprosy. The unclean didn't make the clean person unclean. The clean one made the unclean person clean. See, here's why this is our starting point today. When it comes to our standing in a relationship to God, all of us are a little bit like that leper. You may not have spots on your skin, but chances are you have some spots on your soul. You've got the spots of insecurity, you've got the spots of anxiety, you've got the spots of worry, you've got the spots of abuse that you suffered and have never been healed. You've got spots related to the things that you did when you were a younger and you were a teenager. We all have spots and our spots make us unclean before a pure and holy God and we know that. So everything inside us says stay back, don't get too close. Nothing good can come from getting close to someone as clean as Jesus.
But here's why Jesus is so amazing. Jesus knows that only good can come from getting close to him. Jesus knows that he's not afraid of your issues and your spots. Jesus knows that from him, there's only love for you. There's only grace for you. There's power to change your life in the here and now and to change your forever. Jesus knows that only good can come from drawing close to him. And Jesus knows that good can only come from getting close to him. Jesus knows that the healing you need, the courage you need, the confidence you need, the miracle that you need, it can only be found in him. He knows that only his clean can make you clean. So from wherever you are and whatever your unclean looks like, reach out to Jesus. Take your first step or your next step toward Jesus. Don't hold back because you're worried what he'll think of the things that you try to hide. He already knows everything that you've tried to hide and he came close to us so that he could pay the price for it. Because of Jesus, our hearts and our minds and our relationships and our fear and our anxiety can all be made clean. Jesus is the bridge from unclean to clean. John 11 tells us about this next interaction with Jesus. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had been close followers of Jesus for just about as long as Jesus had been on the public scene. Lazarus becomes sick, and believing that Jesus has the power to heal, these two sisters do what all of us would do in their shoes. They send word to Jesus, hoping he will come heal their brother. And then the most frustrating thing happens. Jesus waits. Jesus stays exactly where Jesus was. Jesus tells his disciples who heard the report about Lazarus' sickness that the sickness won't end in death, and then he stays where he is for two whole days. By the time Jesus finally makes his way to the city of Bethany where Lazarus and his two sisters lived, Jesus is met with news that Lazarus has been dead and in the grave for four whole days. Along with that news, Jesus is met by two sisters who have sat with pain and disappointment and questions and doubt and frustration for four days. The sisters even go so far as to confront Jesus through tears, saying, if you had just been here, none of this had to happen. Jesus reminds them that he is the resurrection and the life, to which they essentially reply, thanks, I guess that'll help us see our brother again someday, but it does little to help us deal with our pain today. Have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced pain like that? Have you ever felt that kind of frustration with God? Have you ever felt like God waited? I have, and I know many of you have too. The feeling that God could have and God should have, and if God would have, you wouldn't be feeling what you feel right now. You wouldn't be experiencing the pain that you're experiencing. You wouldn't have lost what you've lost or who you've lost. You wouldn't be hurting the way that you're hurting. And you know what? Jesus was absolutely okay with them letting that out to him. 
Jesus didn't tell them not to feel what they were feeling or say what they were saying. Jesus was okay with their frustration and their doubt and their hurt and even their anger toward him. You know why that's good news? Jesus is okay with your frustration and your doubt and your worry and your anger toward him. You can bring all of that to him and he'll never tell you you shouldn't feel what you're feeling. So let me say this to someone today. If you've ever walked away from God because you thought you couldn't bring your pain and anger to God, it's time to come back because he can handle every bit of whatever you bring in his direction. And there's one more reason to bring your pain to God. Jesus said early on that this would not end in death. He never said it wouldn't take a brief detour there. He said it wouldn't end there. See, here's what John tells us happened next. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Jesus said out loud for everyone to hear, Hey, Father, now we're going to do this whole thing we've been planning from the very beginning of this. Let's show them what this whole thing has been about. Jesus was announcing that this pain was about to serve and fulfill a greater purpose, and everyone was going to see it. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. See, when you bring your pain to Jesus, you find out that Jesus is the bridge from pain to purpose. And I say this with all the love in the world, without Jesus, your pain is just pain. Your loss is just loss. Your frustration is just frustration and your doubt is just doubt. It doesn't leave you anywhere. It doesn't grow you. It doesn't move you anywhere. It simply leaves you stuck in your pain. What Jesus does though, is take your hurt and use it for a purpose, move you toward purpose. The good news is that God doesn't waste one drop of your pain or my pain. And the good news of Easter is that God didn't waste one drop of Jesus's pain. On the cross, Jesus felt every bit of pain that you or I will ever feel. It was the worst, most excruciatingly painful moments of Jesus's life. And it accomplished the ultimate purpose of God to restore the relationship between us and him. Don't waste your pain. Bring it all and place it in the hands of a Savior who loves you more than you could possibly know and watch as he uses your pain to help you see yourself and him and the world around you more clearly. Jesus is the bridge from pain to purpose. We continue our journey across the bridge today with something that happened near the end of Jesus's life on earth. As he was heading toward Jerusalem, Jesus had to go through a famous town called Jericho. Here's what happened there. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. You know what makes this so interesting? We'll get to Zacchaeus in a little bit with all the stuff that he had to deal with, but here's what fascinates me so much. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem with a laser focus on getting to the city where he knew what was ahead of him. Jesus knew Jerusalem was the place he would lay down his life. Jesus knew Jerusalem was the place that he would die for the sins of the world, including Zacchaeus. And on his way to literally save the world, Jesus stopped to reach the one. Among the many, Jesus saw the one. Among a crowd celebrating Jesus' arrival, Jesus noticed the one who was distant and disconnected. In the middle of hundreds of people shouting his name, Jesus knew the name of the one who was an outsider. Here's the good news. Jesus sees you, notices you, knows you, understands you, and stops for you. He is not too busy. He's not too far away. He comes close. So if you feel like you've gotten lost in the crowd, if you feel like no one notices you, if you feel overlooked, if you feel like you have to hide yourself, Jesus didn't just come to save the world. Jesus came to save you. The story goes on. Zacchaeus quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it, though, began to complain, he's gone to stay with a sinful man. Why were people complaining about Jesus spending time with Zacchaeus? Because Zacchaeus had a past. In fact, Zacchaeus had a past that was still his present as far as anyone could see. The scripture mentioned earlier that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, someone who had literally turned his back on his family, his friends, his community, his faith, and his conscience to join the Romans. And not only that, it told us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was very rich. This means Zacchaeus had been doing this for a while and had gotten good at using the system to take advantage of others to fill his own pockets. Here's why people were ultimately upset. They had decided Zacchaeus was hopeless. He was a lost cause. He was too far gone to ever come back. So in everyone's mind, even if Jesus had good intentions, Zacchaeus was a waste of time. Some of you have felt like that that your past has gone on too long for you to ever have hope for something new. That when people who know your story look at you, they think that you're a lost cause. But here's what's cool. Jesus knew everything that everyone else knew and Jesus stopped anyway. Because to Jesus, Zacchaeus wasn't a lost cause. Because with Jesus, no one is ever too far gone. And you are not a lost cause. Because with Jesus, no one is ever too far gone. The story doesn't end there. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus makes this bold confession and proclamation, Hey, Jesus and everyone listening, I know I've messed up, and I've been living only for myself, and I just want to say that stops here and now. And Jesus responds before Zacchaeus has had any chance to prove himself or show that he means it. Je Jesus says, today salvation is here and it's here for you. In other words, to Zacchaeus and to everyone who was there and to everyone here today, Jesus was saying salvation has come. I have come and your past does not have to be your future.
See, change is possible. It's possible to leave your past in the past and walk into a new future. It's possible that you can be a new person. It's possible that your tomorrow can be entirely different from your yesterday. It's possible that you can walk away from the things that have broken you and the people around you and walk toward the things that God will use to build you and to lift you up. Change is possible, but it's not possible without Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no strength to keep going when it's difficult or embarrassing. Without Jesus, there's no wisdom for your next step when life gets confusing. Without Jesus, there's no grace for when you mess up despite your best intentions. Change is possible, but it's not possible without Jesus. See, for most of us, we think that since we built our past by ourselves, we have to deal with it by ourselves. But Jesus came so that once and for all, our past could be dealt with. And he came to be the one who would lead us and guide us forward into the future, into new life. So the second you're ready to leave the past in the past, you reach out for Jesus's hands and he'll lead you. Jesus came to Jericho to be the bridge from Zacchaeus's past to Zacchaeus's future. And Jesus came to the world to be the bridge from your past to your future, so that your future would not have to be what your past had been. Jesus is the bridge from your past to the future that God has for you. Luke's gospel tells us this about Easter morning. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Three days earlier, they had seen the teacher, miracle worker, possible Messiah die before their very eyes, and now they see him risen and alive. And after writing the same story, John tells us this is why he recorded it. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, this is the final part that we didn't record at the bridge in Taos because I planned on doing it live in service, which is ironic because here's the final message. Jesus is the bridge from death to life. Jesus experienced death, but death could not hold him. He took the weight of our sin on the cross and paid our debt with his life, and then he picked up his life again. Jesus is the bridge from death to life. And here's why this matters so much. So many of us have misunderstood the word sin. We get really uncomfortable because we assume when someone says we're sinners, it means we're bad or we're worse than someone else who's not a sinner. I have bad news and then really good news. Sin is worse than you think. It doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Sin kills everything it touches. Sin kills conscience, kills relationships, kills our relationship with God, kills reputations, kills everything. So in your sin, you're not bad. Unfortunately, you're dead. That's some really bad news. 
The a little bit better news is that it doesn't make you any worse than anyone else. In Romans, Paul wrote that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that without Jesus, we're all dead in our sin. People who faithfully attend church are dead in their sin without Jesus. People who sometimes show up at church are dead in their sin without Jesus. People who only show up on Easter and Christmas are dead in their sin without Jesus. And people who never give God a second thought, but you've run out of things to do in quarantine, so you're watching this right now, are dead in their sin without Jesus. Thank God for Jesus, literally. Paul wrote that we're all sinners, but he also wrote something else. He wrote this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus offers you real life today, life better than what you've known before, life free of guilt and shame, life confident that God is with you always, and life with peace in your heart and mind. And Jesus offers us eternal life. Confidence today that when this life ends, a new unimaginable life begins in the loving, holy presence of God. Jesus is the bridge from death to life. And if you've never experienced that before, it can be yours today. If you have experienced that at some point, but you've wandered and drifted, you can experience that today. It happens by placing your trust in Jesus, in his death that paid the price for your sin, and trusting in his resurrection to bring you new life, and following his way to new life. And I would like to invite you to do that right here and right now. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer that I would encourage you to repeat after me if you're a follower of Jesus or if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus or if you'd like to experience a fresh start with Jesus. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you hear me right now. I am a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I realize that my sin doesn't make me bad. It makes me dead. Please forgive me of my sin and help me experience the life that I can only find in you. Help me to trust you. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I just want to say congratulations on making the best decision of your life. And we would love to hear from you by email, in the comments or chat, or you can shoot us a message on Facebook.